This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome. This is Garden of Sound, brought to you with thanks to Mint Finance, business loans made easy. Today on the show, The Response, otherwise known as Andy and Victoria Knob. They met at jazz school and after a fair few random pairings, realised a duo in and out of the music world was their jam. Three full-length albums and five EPs later, the progression in both their musical ability and media skills is unmistakable, but are they too nice? Is there a little edge needed to give their next album release the attention it deserves? This is the Garden of Sound interview with The Response on 96.9 Plains FM. Andy, I want to kick off with you. Uh, Let's talk about music as a child. Uh, When's the first time that you remember hearing music or having an idea that music existed in the world? I'm sure I have memories that go back further than this, but one of the first ones that I have is I would have been about nine and I remember sitting at the piano and trying to work out the intro theme to the Forrest Gump movie. You know, it's like... Um, and there's uh, like a feather floating in the breeze or something as it follows it down during the opening credits. But I just remember as a kid thinking that was a, an awesome piece of music and trying to replicate it on the piano. So there was a piano in the home. There was definitely a piano. Um, who, who, who had that put there? Uh, my dad is a pianist. Uh-huh. Um, Probably more a keyboard player, um, like in that electronic keyboard kind of style things, but naturally piano is part of that. What about your mum? She'd probably be able to bang out a tune or two, but um, singing was her kind of field. Um, Backing vocals was her main kind of instrument. Vic, let's talk about growing up for you. uh, When was your first introduction to to music, just just listening. Both of my parents love music. They're not musicians, but they um, they have some pretty killer records in their collection. Mm. And we were not usually allowed to uh, touch the record player, but they were the kind of people that would you know save their pennies and go out and buy a new record um, very regularly. Yeah. So, when was the first uh, instance of you um, making music or picking up an instrument? I went to like a preschool music group. So we, we did, music was a really big part of my childhood. Um, I think my mum never had the opportunity to learn music when she was a kid. And the fact that we had the opportunities, she was really excited about that. So she sort of encouraged us to learn music when we could. Um, I played a little bit of piano, but never really got into it. You know, recorder like everyone does. I, I loved singing as a kid. I did quite a lot of musical theatre. And um, when I was about six or seven, I decided for some reason that I really wanted to play clarinet. So I marched up to the, to the office and tried to sign up and they, they were out of clarinets. So they gave me the, uh, the other instrument that starts with C. So I think my mum was a bit um, taken aback when I turned up home with a cello, which was <laughs> my size. But it's a beautiful instrument. It, it is, is a beautiful yeah, instrument, yeah. And it starts yeah. with a C. And it starts with a C. Yeah. So, yeah, that was great. Um, but I played cello for a long time. I really enjoyed it at times. Um, I got the most out of it after I sort of stopped playing it officially. I, I quit but still had one for a while. How old were you when you, when you stopped that? Uh, I think about 15 
when I when I quit. And what did you move on to? From um, well, I'd already I'd been playing bass for a couple of years or a year, I think. And I imagine being able to read in the bass cliff as well. Um, yeah, you would think so. Uh, I had sort of learnt not in the best way to learn to read music. I'd sort of just picked up, you know, that um, that dot there means this finger here and things like that. So, um, so I had to relearn to read music, but. I did pick up sight reading pretty quickly and um, it was certainly helpful for um, playing in jazz bands and every kind of band imaginable Mm. really throughout high school. So Andy, we talked about keyboard. I'm just trying to sort of marry up timeline wise. Uh, So was that the first thing that you you learned? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like so many kids, you'd get kind of semi-forced to learn keys. I had a teacher just down the road that I'd walk to and that was cool. But I, it felt like it was a bit more of a chore, just like most people learning piano as kids. So glad I did it. Um, or so glad I was forced to do it. But I think the first time I really remember um, kind of getting into an instrument because I just wanted to was playing ukulele. Um, my uh, mum's side of the family is from Rarotonga and I was living there. And uh, ukulele is like just one of those instruments that everyone plays. My grandma plays ukulele. So uh, they were just around the house and started getting taught ukulele by my mum and grandma. So keys into ukulele, and then what did that launch into for you? Well, you know, electric guitar as a teenager, you kind of you have you have to want to play it, right? Like, well, okay, maybe maybe this is showing my age, but you know, when all the new metal bands are around and you <laughs> you want to be the next Limp Bizkit, uh, you're gonna have to play electric guitar. So you're talking about about new metal. That sounds like a bit of a departure from um, uh, a more island based yeah. kind of. <laughs> relaxed yes. um relaxed kind of thing so at this at this point Vic you, you you're shaking your head now <laughs> you you talked about um journeying into into jazz bands and so on did you meet at jazz school did. or did you just yeah. both go okay yeah, we met at jazz school. so what did you go into jazz school to do when I was leaving school I wanted to do a degree in something and um th- all of my options none of them were really career options right so um I chose music because I knew that it was something that I absolutely loved and really wanted to do um and I knew I'd always do it regardless of whether it was what I was doing for a job I really enjoyed my time at jazz school met some really great people um learned a new instrument I switched to upright bass um which was a fun time why do you say fun time oh you know it's a totally new instrument in a tertiary education setting, you know, everyone else is amazing at the instrument that, of their choice and you're starting from scratch, basically. Surely you're being too hard on yourself when you say everyone's amazing when they go <laughs> and I know of people who've had to relearn their instruments yeah. again going in. It was great. It was a good challenge um, and I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Um, and definitely double bass is such a great sound for jazz um, and it's a great sound for actually a lot of different types of bands, mm. so... I'm really glad that I learned it. So when was your first musical pairing? I imagine you were in the same year? Yeah, yeah, same year. Um, you get put into ensembles in jazz school, and I think probably term one we were in the same ensemble. I Vic was so. like, bass players were a pretty rare commo- commodity. I think you were the only one until halfway through the year, eh? So I, I was in hot demand, basically. Yeah. But yeah. Um, there were a lot of guitarists around. There were. Um, and a lot of competition. A lot of competition on the guitar front. My my first memory of um, choosing to work with Andy was um, we'd been... <laughs> we'd been... 
in a funk band. What was the name of that? Oh, no, it was just... It was just a funk band. Funk band. <laughs> yeah, okay, was, right. Another uh, random ensemble. Or yeah, 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 exactly. Nondescript. We, were, we uh, got to choose what type of music we wanted to learn for the term um, and got chucked into these these teams. I think there were still about six guitars in that band, but um, yeah. Andy was the yeah. one that I l- wanted to work with. Um, I just enjoyed his playing, so we uh, started practicing together quite a lot. And yeah. 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 Is there any particular act um, that has sort of influenced or you would call an influence for the response? If we were to bring someone up, I think um, I remember in 2010, um, Sufjan Stevens came to New Zealand, played in Wellington, and we were quite into him. uh, And we went and saw, this is before the response really existed. And we went and saw him in Wellington. And I had personally always been of the opinion that like the record was where it was at. So you see a band live and it's like kind of a cheap impersonation of the record. And you're like, that's cool, but they definitely sounded better, better on the record, right? And so I never really got that. And then when we saw Sufjan Stevens in Wellington, it just totally blew my mind. And uh, yeah, it just something clicked. And I was like, oh, live music really is something to respect in its own kind of way beyond just recording, which I had been way more into. So I think that was a real turning point for me. And then, yeah, sonically and 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 uh, like lyrically, he's definitely had left a big impression on our style of writing. Is there a track uh, from him you want to play? Yeah, I think you know, um, to honor that tour that we saw him on, uh, he was touring the album Age of Ads, and uh, we would love to play the single from that, which is called Too Much.
Garden of Sound interview with the response on 96.9 Plains FM. Hey my sisters and brothers, it's Brad from the Butlers and the Singleton Mingle. If you're looking for a top-notch screen printer for your next big shindig, then go down to see James at Against the Grain Screen Printing. He's been printing out t-shirts and merch for the Mingle for many, many moons. He's an absolute ledge and he's one of the few qualified textile lords in the city. So get down and see him, you're guaranteed a great price and a mean result. Check him out on the World Wide Web, atgscreen.co.nz. That's atgscreen.co.nz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Andy and Vic from The Response on Plains FM 96.9. I want to talk about uh, concerts and gigs and stuff that you guys have got along to, as I as I always do. Yeah. But it's important to, to talk about those formative years. Uh, Vic, I'll kick off with you. What was the first um, gig uh, you or somebody may have paid some money for you to, <laughs> to go along see? Well, the first time I travelled to go to a gig, I went up to one of the big day outs. Um, yeah. 
It was, I think, the year that Metallica and The Strokes headlined. I could, I went a couple of times, so I could be getting mixed up. But um, and Muse and The Darkness and a whole bunch of local bands, and um, it was yeah, it was a good time. So what's sort of the endearing memory the first time you went up there and sort of swarms of people and such? Uh, it was quite cool to see that there were bands at a big festival like that that maybe weren't that great. But then obviously super world-class acts as well. Oh, yeah. Um, like? Uh, well, it was the first time I'd seen Muse. They were yeah. excellent. They played really early in the day. Was this the same year as the Mars Volta? Don't think so. Okay. Bringing up another high school band. I yeah, the Mars Volta yeah. were great. You played in the Mars Volta. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Andy, uh, what about you? Uh, what was the first gig? Big gig? It could be a small one. Yeah. I was interested to hear about those, you know, uh, formative Christchurch years. What was the gig you got along to? The first gig I went to, just a local act called Leper Ballet. I remember the front man, his um, tradition before going on stage would he drink two Long Island iced teas, which is the equivalent of like 18 shots or something. I really enjoyed the gig. I think in hindsight, it was probably terrible, but he was like falling over tables and going nuts and he was in a red velvet suit. And I just thought, and there was like an accordion player in a punk rock band. And I was just like, this is marvelous. Um, but probably the first real gig I went to uh, was seeing the Mint Chicks um uh, in the jet set lounge which is gone now um but uh yeah that was fantastic that i mean uh cody was hanging from the ceiling and it was just yeah such a great show those guys can write such amazing songs as well now uh, when did the response um become the response when did you two decide that this is a this is a thing rdu has rdu roundup band Mm. competition we um, were entering one year with another band that we played in, um, a six-piece band. What was that called? That was called The Willow Page. And we decided to get the same band to do another song with us because you only get to play one song of the heats. Oh, that's um, harsh. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bands. The sound man's having a bad day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So um, so that was, that was kind of the first thing that we ever did. Yeah, and we got really good feedback from one of the judges, we, like just – immediately after we played and we're like oh my goodness we might actually get through the next round where you need to have a small handful of songs and we literally only had one that was left over from this other band that that had quit and I was singing I I'm I wouldn't have considered myself a singer I barely do now um uh, but someone had to sing the song so I had written the lyrics and stuff so it seemed fitting that I would take up that mantle so we basically came home from that gig and we're like okay, we need to write a bunch of songs as fast as possible just in case we get the callback, which we did not. Um, <laughs> but but then the we had an EP week. ready to go by the end of the week. Yeah, we basically wrote those songs, um, recorded them, and had this little EP, which is forgotten. to. We, it's in the dark we pretend that We pretend it doesn't <laughs> exist. Um, Why is that? It was definitely an experiment in many regards, songwriting, um, performance, um, but one of the biggest ones would have been recording because 
um, we're very DIY. We've always done everything ourselves. But when you do everything yourself, you kind of start at a certain level and hopefully continue to get better from there. And uh, that uh, Which you have, as evidenced oh. by Tallest Walls. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, actually, if we could find track down that EP and play like a track from that versus Tallest Walls. I mean, I'm probably overstating how, how bad it was. I, it probably sounded totally fine. Have yeah. you ever considered, if you could find it in those deep, dark recesses, going back to it, revisiting those songs, perhaps? Oh, doing a remix brushing or up something. And then doing it, well, not even just a remix, but a, a re-record. I mean, the, potentially there's some, there's some gold in there. Not that I imagine you're sure of ideas no we are not we yeah but that would be a pretty cool oh we should do like an anniversary record or something that'd be a great idea (laughs) and where was that band competition oh that was at the old ducks um pre-quake oh there's a that's a great venue that was gone totally yeah yeah we used to at jazz school um go along they had like a tuesday night jazz gig and there'd often be like three people that show up and we'd often just sit in front of the pool table in front of the stage and just watch the band right there and it was just like them just playing to you and it yeah it was that was a cool cool gig 2019 now looking sort of yeah. back at those those formative years and we haven't even talked about you heading off to to canada is there mm. anything that you would have done differently or any opportunities or chances that may have presented themselves that you just went mm, and then you looked back and gone mm. <laughs> i think we've done things you know some people they kind of come out with the sound or, or recording that their debut is quite a quite a statement and and a fully fledged organism at that stage. We I quite like bands, maybe more like Radiohead, who start off maybe not so flash, uh, and then they develop, and you get to see that development over the years. I think we've definitely taken that approach by necessity, but I think it's really cool the way we've done it personally. On that note, I think it's time for some for some more music. Uh, I always ask about a favourite track and it's difficult because maybe it's an old time, long time yeah. favourite or a current fave. Is there um, is there something that sort of bubbles to the surface for you guys? One of the songs that I always go back to is um, it's by a band called Vampire Weekend. It's called Hannah Hunt. Uh, I just love it. Why? I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Just one of those songs that I just, it, it makes me smile every time it's on. I just love yeah. it. Super unique production, enormous vocal range. Like he starts off super low and chill and then by the end he's just screaming in a relatively chill song. And the, the lyrics are a cool narrative style, um, pretty ethereal. I can't say exactly what he's talking about, but it kind of takes you to a place. Before we launch into Hannah Hunt, just quickly tell me about the um, bassist's side project and how you guys got involved oh yeah uh, well yeah this was you know uh claim to fame uh (laughs) when when we were living in canada we um it got called up um by a promotional company who would often look for opening bands and we got a call up to play for um bayo which is um the side project of the bassist from vampire weekend who happens to be one of our favorite bands and so obviously we said yes to that but yeah so we got to meet one of our kind of band heroes which is cool doesn't always happen to people uh but yeah he was super lovely guy when we we're talking to him he brought it he's like he loved new zealand and we thought he was going to talk about lord of the rings or lord or something but he was talking about some obscure podcast that's done by new zealanders that i don't know the name of it but he was really into it's it called something like the worst idea ever oh yeah so maybe yeah it's worth looking into that out. yeah okay it's time for some music uh this is hannah hunt by vampire weekend
clients move But I could not believe it To me and Hannah Hunt Saw crawling vines And weeping willows As we made away From Providence to Phoenix A man of faith said Thanks for being here today. Garden of Sound is sponsored by Mint Finance. And one of the areas Mint specialise in is providing finance for unsecured loans. Now, working with Mint is great, not only because they're easy to deal with, but because they can quickly sort out the type of lending that's right for you. 
Mint can help you with an unsecured business loan too. Now, if there's no security available, but you've got good cash flows and a healthy credit record, an unsecured business loan could be the option your business needs. Mint could lend up to $75,000 for unsecured business finance on terms of up to three years. You can find out more about the competitive interest rates and repayment structures offered by Mint by phoning 0800 666023. That's 0800-666023 or visiting mintfinance.co.nz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Vic and Andy from Response on Plains FM 96.9. I want to talk about making music. Uh, let's talk about the creative process. Uh, and I have referenced uh, Tallest Walls, uh, which is your uh, latest single. Mm. Um, you've done three LPs and five EPs. Where do the ideas come from in the first instance before they make it to the media? Yeah, I guess we're pretty um, diligent when it comes to working. I've always been of the opinion that um, creativity doesn't just happen, um, you, you make it happen. Yep. Um, one of my favorite jazz composers, Dave Douglas, uh, he, I read in an interview with him, he was saying, even if it's only two notes, um, make sure you write something every day because it keeps that, keeps it just going around. And uh, sometimes I find if I don't write something for a couple of weeks, just because of, I don't know, life, uh, and you come back to it, it's just so hard to get back on that wagon um, so you just regret it if you don't just get in a little bit of writing each day. So I get up early and uh, get out the guitar or, or a pen and paper and often it'll turn into a song uh, or at least a sketch of a song. Where do you step in, Vic? Um, depends. Um, so sometimes I'm there right from the start. We, we sometimes start songs together, but usually I'll come in once Andy's got some kind of idea um, and he'll be like, what do you think of this? And sometimes I love them and sometimes I don't. So we have those conversations. And then, um, but usually we'll sort of take a rough idea. Um, so maybe there's some sort of structure, maybe there's chords and a melody, um, or maybe there's just a lyrical idea. Or, you know, it really depends what, what Andy's been working on. Um, Again, I go back to the couple thing and I don't wish to sort of rest on it, but I have. Have you ever struggled to perhaps tell a story which maybe is personal to you, which might sort of conflict with an idea or a feeling that um, your partner has? So Andy writes a lot introspectively, um, but also things that are based on other people, things that are happening around him. Um, characters from movies that we've watched, you know, all kinds of things gets inspiration from lots of different places. Um, but he, yeah, frequently he'll play me a song and I will assume he's talking about something in particular that's really personal to him, um, which doesn't exist. So <laughs> I I can get upset by things that he has written um, because I assume they're about different things than, than what they are about. And how is that resolved? I have to go through line by line and explain what my thoughts were on each one. <laughs> but, hey, not always. <laughs> not always, but... Um, it's great for me to kind of like uh, figure out exactly what I was trying to say and if there were any words that were wasted or um, anything that I could refine. But I, I do intentionally write songs that can be pretty open to interpretation. So Vic hears it and hears it one way, another person will hear it as something completely different. I remember... Um, like reading lyrics and lyric meanings from a band called Grizzly Bear and their lyrics are so ethereal and uh, you can interpret them in many different ways and I thought that was really 
cool um, and they don't have to come out and say this is what the song is about and it can kind of be what it is to whoever listens to it okay so we've got the uh, we've got the lyrics and we've got the, the song structure uh, the next aspect of the production process how does that normally sort of come about one of the biggest parts of our sound kind of probably came when we moved to Canada and we were living uh, in a tiny little apartment and um, we just had to really downsize on gear because we didn't have transport. So we, everywhere for gigs, we'd be on public transport. So we had to figure out how to get everything down into like a guitar on my back and then everything else in, in a wheelie suitcase. You weren't carrying a PA, were you? No, we weren't carrying no Although PA. Although sometimes we'd have to take a guitar amp and put everything through that. Yeah. And so uh, like once upon a time, the first uh, like official response gig um, that wasn't that band competition it was just the two of us, but we took two cars to the gig because of all the instruments we had. Vic was playing double bass, um, wow. harmonium. Like uh, big xylophone thing. Yeah, massive xylophone, a toy piano. I had a couple of different guitars and keyboards. And a big kick pedal. And yeah, uh, yeah, and drum. And uh, it, it was great fun, but just totally impractical. It's and so not over maintainable, the years, really. Exactly. Over the years, we've kind of parted it down. And so canada was weary where we totally refined it and uh, we've stuck with that model ever since of just vic playing bass synth with her feet uh, with this um thing called the basin that's got arcade buttons and um yeah it, it's you have to be pretty s- simple in your bass lines and she plays drums on a roland spd sample pad and i play guitar and i can trigger loops and stuff with my pedals um but that's kind of it and so that's often the way that i'll start thinking about songs are you limiting yourself some people see limiting as a limiting factor but sometimes it's just it helps you be more creative when you're given if you're given too many options it can be kind of it can stunt your workflow whereas if you're like okay i need to be within these constraints it can just help so much yeah and there's still lots of we can still write lots of different types of songs with those instruments. But I'm not going to come out with um, some sort of arrangement that is going to need like a full drum kit sound that's all filled up with washy cymbals and stuff because it just wouldn't sound right if we were trying to do that as a two-piece. So we do think about things in terms of our instruments. So live together, write together, play together. Has there been any thought about um, expanding the response? Where we got the name The Response was we were playing in and like jazz bands and, and uh, the Willow Page was just, uh, like an alt country band. And these were all um, outfits that had, you know, four, five, six members, which is great fun playing with people. But you try and organize a gig or rehearsal or anything. And it was just this back and forth trying to figure out how the heck you're going to get your schedules to line up so you can do it. And so uh, apart from the fact that we were doing other people's music, the response got named as, as like a response to that. We were doing our own music and we kind of like for ourselves and the two piece is probably one of our strongest aspects in that we can we can just move so fast. Uh, you know, maybe there's a bit of control freak in me, but being able to ch- choose what you do and not have to um, wait for permission from other people, it's just, yeah, it's great. I talked a lot about Tallest Walls, but prior to that, uh, another more recent single uh, was Practical, yeah. uh, which we're going to play very, very soon. Do you want to just tell me about that song, maybe uh, what you like about it, Vic? It's quite different for our sound. I mean, we've we've changed our sound quite a lot over the years, but um, this one is a bit more retro, um, hmm. a bit more dreamy maybe hmm. i feel like i'm not describing this super well but you'll be able to hear it really soon i feel like <laughs> it's got a bit more hope injected into it than some of our other songs um 
uh, like that song all just started off with me playing with some uh, sampler on the computer, recording my voice into it, chucking it backwards all over the place and, and got this repeating pattern over and over. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I didn't know I could do that. And then just chuck some chords underneath it and it just started to come alive in that way. Um, so that was one of the rare instances where I kind of started with the... Um, the musical arrangement rather than coming up with melodies and stuff first. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just a big fan of it. Getting to play it live, it always goes off and uh, it's so much fun.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with The Response on 96.9 Plains FM. Playing host to some of the biggest names in dance music, Christchurch's D4 continues to break new ground for clubbers and music lovers across the country. But that's only a small piece of the action. When you want your next function talked about for years to come, D4 is your first port of call. With a capacity of 350 and a world-renowned AV team on site, D4's flexible enough to host theatre, bands, comedy and parties for all ages. It all happens opposite the tannery on Garlands Road, so visit facebook.com forward slash d4 venue for a better look at the action and to book your next event facebook.com forward slash d4 venue this is the garden of sound interview with the response that's Vic and andy on planes fm 96.9 i want to talk about best musical memories that could be a gig or it could be uh, something that you've produced i hate sound arrogant but the response is probably my favorite project so far i'm probably our biggest fan maybe after my dad it's just a really rewarding project um everything from writing the music uh to learning how to engineer and record and mix and master it all to making video clips it's uh, a lot of effort but it, it really is rewarding it but as far as like actual occasions gigs that we've played we've played some really cool gigs there's um one that comes to mind in Vancouver, apart from opening for Bayo, which was amazing. Uh, we also pl- played for uh, Radiation City, I think was one of the bands, but we the headliner of that show was called um, Deep Sea Diver. And uh, that is a fantastic band if you never heard them. Uh, the guitarist front person, um, she also plays guitar in their touring bands for Beck and The Shins. Uh, and she's just crazy good guitarist, but also an amazing songwriter and singer. Um, so that was just such a cool night because it's, uh, we'd never heard of them before. And then you're seeing this live and you're like, how have I never heard of you? It was just so cool. Future, Vic, what's um, what's on the horizon for for you guys? I mean, you're here in Christchurch, you're, you're doing the response. Um, is there anything coming out in the um, in the near future that we can, can look forward to? We're always working on new music, but we have an album that we will be bringing out later in the year. Does that have a name yet? It does. The name is Escaping This Cold Rotation. Okay. Is that reference to how bleak Christchurch has been this winter? (laughs) (laughs) It's open to interpretation. It is. is. As with everything. Is there any hope to sort of uh, get yourselves a bit more out there? The DIY aspect of us is... um, we we choose it to an extent, but part of it is comes out of necessity. So, yeah. if there's any labels or managers out there who are just looking to sign a Christchurch duo, hit us up because um, that would be wonderful. Um, but at this stage, now we'll we'll kind of keep on trucking and try and check together some shows and do some more video clips. And uh, we've got our fingers in a few pies Eyes. at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, you know, most of that ends up falling over. We'll see what happens this time. You've referenced Bayo. Any other groups that you'd particularly like to, to work with or perhaps vocalists um, or, I don't know, any other instrumentalists? I, I've always, um, there's a producer called Ariel Retshed. I think that's how you say his name. And he's he's worked with um, Vampire Weekend. Uh, he did their album Modern Vampires of the City and then their latest album um, Father of the Bride. Um, he also produced Himes Records. Uh, he's also done like Adele 
and he he's, his list is just ridiculous of collaborators. So like he always seems to bring the best out of people. So he's the kind of person that would be fascinating to work with. And what about gigs coming up? I believe there's something happening at the library um, very soon. Yeah, um, we've we got asked um, through the university. They're doing like a showcase thing. Uh, we're going to be playing with another band called um, Speak Softly. And uh, another husband and wife duo. It, it is. It is. Um, yeah, we'll be giving marital advice after the show. I was about to say that <laughs> free counselling. <laughs> free counseling. How to cope in the music world uh, when married. There's a book in it. There we go. There's yeah, yeah, your uh, exactly. diverse diversification. Uh, but um, yeah, those guys are great. Um, we've known them for ages. Uh, we did early on in the response did a uh, remix of one of their songs, which is still I think my dad's favourite song of ours. Um, it, I'm not even singing on it, so that's insulting. But uh, uh, yeah, that's, so that's worth checking out as well on our Bandcamp. Yeah, it's going to be a good gig. That's on the 22nd of July. Um, and it's a Monday. It's on a Monday. So there anyone else who's got a full weekend, you've got no excuses. Guys, I want to say thank you so much for being on Garden of Sound. Uh, is there a track that you'd like to play us out with today? Yeah, there's um, a great band called Beach House that we love and um, got to see when we were living in Vancouver. Um, which was just such a great night um, and we would like you to go out listening to their song Myth.
right, it's time for my track of the week, and it's a killer. All the way from the UK, it's a psychedelic four-piece called Swedish Death Candy. Their second studio album's due out in a few months, and if their first self-titled offering is anything to go by, this next one's going to be amazing. For your oral pleasure, this is Swedish Death Candy with Modern Child.
Okay, that's all for today. My guests were The Response, and you can find out more about what they're up to by going to gardenofsound.nz, clicking on their photo on the front page. On their bespoke show page, you can find out all about their gig at Tūranga on Monday. This has been Garden of Sound, presented by Mint Finance, business loans made easy. Until next week, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Hey, Dada.